0: welcome to this week's episode of the Everyday Goddess podcast. We are so excited to introduce you to our guest this week. It's Jessica Hayes. She is a self-love coach and we are so excited to talk to her about boundaries.
1: Yes, thank you so much for coming and being here today.
2: <laughs> thank you so much. I'm so excited. I feel really honoured to be a guest on your podcast.
0: <laughs> you are so welcome. We're honoured to have you. Yes, definitely. Uh, so we're going to start off with our quick fire questions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the first one is, what makes you feel alive?
2: What makes me feel alive is being in tune with my intuition. Love okay.
0: it. Okay, and what is your favourite self-care ritual?
2: Meditation. Ah, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and your
1: favourite affirmation?
2: Favourite affirmation, I would say... Trust the process because it's working for you, not against you.
0: Oh, yes, I love that one. I feel like it's so easy to forget that sometimes, isn't it? I feel yeah. like the whole world's against you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have yeah, yeah. all been there before. <laughs> okay, your favourite piece of advice that you give to
2: others. Oh, favourite piece of advice. Hmm. Come back to it. Don't respond immediately. Take some time to digress and then come back. Nice.
1: And then the last question is, what is your favourite thing that you love about yourself?
2: Everything I love about myself? Yeah. (laughs) I would say my openness. I'm open to trying new things, open to new conversations, open to growth, open to fun, adventure. I think, yeah, that's my what I love most I think
0: yeah I love it it. that question's actually made me think of something that you posted on your um, Instagram this week about women talking openly about things that they love about themselves whether it was like Mm -hmm. their body or
2: yeah absolutely they've
0: done really well
2: we don't do it enough don't don't do it enough and we're so we go get caught up in a space of oh they're gonna think I'm too much or who does she think she is or she's taken up too much space Mm -hmm. that mentality I think that we're brought up in so I think yeah. it's comfortable to start saying, oh, I look great. Or like you're dancing in your kitchen and actually you're free flowing with your body. And you think, God, like what if somebody saw me right now? But actually trying to remove that negative voice out of your mind.
1: Yeah. And just thinking about the judgment. I was actually talking to someone about this the other day saying like, oh, but what if people think I'm cocky? And it's mm. like, and, and it's like, where does that come from? That's obviously come from somewhere like society drilling into you, like. You can't be that confident I don't know I don't know what it is
0: about I think women in general it's harder for us to be confident about things because it does come across as like well people see it as like you're being too much like you said or Mm. arrogant
2: yeah whereas a man could
0: be like I did this at work and it was great and everyone will be like well done
2: yeah (laughs) absolutely and it's like there's a, I felt like the quote I would always hear would be, there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness. Mm-hmm. That was like the classic thing. And actually you don't really know what that line is. <laughs> and yeah. if, if you're not being authentic and not being true to yourself and you don't care about other people's feelings or emotions then perhaps you're leaning more towards the cockiness. But even then that's kind of, mm. what word does that really mean? Mm. But,
0: yeah I also just think like the way it's received by other people is always to do with their own internal world like people who can't sing their own praises or say nice things about themselves will normally find it more offensive if someone is doing that
1: Mm. if they can't
0: do it about themselves yeah you've you've triggered that
1: inside of them like Mm. not feeling good enough or not feeling confident because they look at you yeah and they see that and they're like I want that but it's easier to like put it down.
0: Yeah, and say that it's arrogance or whatever rather than, yeah.
2: Definitely. definitely. Yeah, and I think it's actually, I actually truly believe that women who are in their full confidence is so powerful. So I Mm -hmm. think it actually fears a lot of people because it's kind of like a force to be reckoned with in that way. (laughs) We know what we want. We know our desires. We know our power. We know our truth. And actually, we're not brought up in a society that kind of honors that. Mm. Well it's
0: literally got to be the biggest threat to
2: the patriarchy
0: hasn't mm. it women who like actually stand in their power and know their worth
2: yeah absolutely and actually can express their desires i think there's one thing thinking oh i wish i had that or like i wish he would do that or things like that but actually being able to be like no i deserve that so i'm going to voice mm-hmm. it i think that's yeah. courage and i think we're not really taught courage we're not taught it at school we're taught it from our parents like I'm grateful and thankful that my mum and dad were both very encouraging when it came to speaking your mind, speaking your truth and standing up for what you thought was right. So I feel fortunate in that aspect. But when you think of others who didn't have that, we're not taught it at school at all. Mm -hmm. And then you may be taught it from friends. But I think that's when you grow older and start, I don't know, travelling or getting new jobs or listening to podcasts and seeing things in another light. That's where you kind of learn courage
0: mm. it's like mm. another form of reparenting really you're like Absolutely. teaching yourself like a whole new trait that you hadn't when you're taught been taught when you were younger mm. I also just think as kids especially girls there's that whole good girl
2: <laughs> yeah. be a good
0: girl be like mm-hmm. a quiet kind little good girl
1: um Mm. yeah it's like if a boy and a girl do exactly the same behavior like for a boy it's like go on good job yeah jump
0: off that yeah
1: you'll make it (laughs) for a girl it's like oh are you sure you want to jump or yeah there's more like fear around it I yeah I think was it it you that were saying it's all about keeping you small and quiet because that protects you
0: uh yes yeah Yeah. (laughs) so I listened yeah I listened to a podcast about the mother wound Mm -hmm. and in it they said something that was so it like completely switched the way I saw my mum my relationship with my mum so mm. many things I basically they just said your mum any traits in you that make you unsafe in the patriarchy like being loud like being confident your mum will subconsciously not even on purpose mm. like try and force them down in you to keep you safe so actually it's a, a massive act of love from your mum mm. but it's actually obviously not doing you any good making you less confident and less self-assured and stuff in the grand scheme of life but within the patriarchy it's actually keeping you safe.
2: Yeah that makes total sense and you can see how it plays out and I do believe we're the generation of where it's changing like when we think of the generational trauma that will always carry down but in the sense of our grandparents were still the subject of war in our country so we see it travel down and how to be safe and how to Perhaps not speak for mine because it's dangerous, and it does travel down. And most of ours, when we think of our nans, I've got two nans that one was a stay at home nan and stay at home mum, and the other was stay at home nan. Stay-at-home nan. <laughs> <Stay-at-home> nan. <laughs> 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 like Coined a new term there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Baking cakes, looking after grandkids, um, and then my other nan was like a strong businesswoman. So I kind of had really two different insights of what that generation offered and you can see how it plays out into say like my mum and like how it travels through And I feel like we're the generation of change we're now we have freedom of speech we can vote you know we can climb the ladder in terms of business we can do all the different things all the opportunities that we have our mums didn't really have in that era and mm. our nans definitely didn't have in that era so we're kind of I believe that we're the point of where it can really change And when we have children we raise them we don't have to raise them to Keep them safe in the patriarchy because we're kind of here dismantling it.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's Mm. like the tipping point. It is. There's so much more like awareness and the amount of like, I feel like self development is like really coming back into like mainstream. Mm. Like, this is cool.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like everyone is kind of realizing things need to change. Yeah. On that note, do you want to tell us how you got into self love coaching? tell us a bit about your journey with self-development yourself so
2: oh it's relatively quite new I feel like only a couple of years um so I actually feel in terms of the interest of self-development I think it started and actually I would say my biggest person would be Fern Cotton and listening okay. to her podcast she's kind of how I started hearing about it and listening to you know like her guests and celebrities talk about their kind of fears and what come up in that way and that was about four years ago that I started listening to that and then reading a lot of books and then actually it was during lockdown I've, I've always been a really bubbly person really smiley really open Um, love to be busy and I never thought anything of it and actually where I used to work one a girl that I used to work with in my team she laughed and said I've never met anybody so busy like you coming on a Monday and you already know what you're doing for the next month and I'll be like oh yeah you know you know busy busy and I never thought anything of it and then not until a lockdown happened and obviously you're forced to stop mm. I thought oh my god I've not got anything to do and I was in too like partly I loved it the novelty of not going to work and it was really sunny and got a blow up pool from the factory shop I was like <laughs> sitting in the garden drinking homemade margaritas And I loved it the first couple of months. And then after a while, I started realizing that I think part of me being busy was just not really dealing with anything. And actually makes me laugh now. And I think I experienced quite a lot of grief um, growing up from family members passing um, to friends passing. And I actually laugh now in sensitivity of my younger self because I remember thinking, god I really deal with grief well (laughs) (laughs) you know I processed it really quickly and I kind of just move on quite quickly and that's generally what I thought and actually in that moment it helped me because obviously I kept going and carrying on my life and then during lockdown that's when I noticed I hadn't actually dealt with anything I just Mm -hmm. jumped straight back onto the wheel and was like right busy 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 especially working in London you're out all the time like when people used to think oh, what's your hobbies my hobbies literally was going to the pub and drinking like that was pretty much all I did and maybe a gym class every couple of nights if I <laughs> um, that's kind of all I had and it wasn't until lockdown when everything kind of come to the surface and I think it hit me like a ton of bricks and I hadn't didn't see it coming at all and my parents got divorced when I was 11 I'm now yeah 28 nearly 29 and I actually felt like I was reliving all of it it was all of the emotions that I'd felt as a child had kind of all come rushing back and I didn't know what to do with it I think I was just in such an emotional turmoil and then we went through um, a family grief that kind of elevated everything else and I felt like that was kind of the catalyst to everything Mm -hmm. and then All the griefs that I'd experienced all come rushing forward. The breakups that I'd had all come rushing forward. The friendships that I'd broken and left all come rushing forward. And I felt like I was just kind of stripped back from everything that I knew and dealing with multiple levels of emotion that I'd not processed. So that was kind of the tipping point. (laughs) And I remember, I just didn't know what to do. I kept, I was like, right, I'm journaling. I'm moving my body. I was going swimming every morning and like nothing was working. I was trying to get into meditation. And funny now when they say like, embody the future version of you. And that's kind of a a really helpful tool to kind of start integrating what you want to change. And I always imagine myself, you know, going to yoga and meditating and, you know, being slow. And I couldn't hack it like I just couldn't I'd meditate for five minutes be distracted or I'd try and meditate for two minutes then I'd be like oh this isn't working I'd be in that mindset and it wasn't until then I've been to therapy on a number of occasions throughout my life and I really value it I really value talking therapy mm-hmm. um as a tool for sure and I know it's not for everybody but it's really helped for me and I went to therapy at the end of 2020 was it 2020 into 2021 actually I think it took me about eight months to really get to a point when I thought right I can't do this anymore on my own
1: yeah
2: I wasn't reaching out to people I could feel myself um pulling away and funny enough I listened to something recently and it said when we think of depression we kind of think of the depths of it when someone's in deep depression we don't necessarily see the early stages and I can't remember who said it but they said think of it as a a ship leaving the, um, yeah, leaving the shore. They're at the shore, they're with everybody and then gradually they're fading into the distance Mm -hmm. and not until somebody might anchor them or reach out or support the ship that they're gone. Mm -hmm. And That's when I noticed, like I was withdrawing from friends, I was withdrawing from family members and that was a kind of the tipping point when I realised, right, I actually need to do something. So I started going to therapy felt a little bit better, so I stopped, which I think is the classic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm better now. <laughs> I'm better now, I'm healed. Um, that's me for life. But what made me realize was actually, it was a few months after, and it was actually last year, it was around March, it was just after I turned 28. And I was actually in conflict with my partner at the time because the only way I can describe it was like a light bulb had gone off. And mm. all of a sudden I'd realized I'd put all, a- I had actually put all emphasis on external validation. So be that holidays, the clothes that I was buying, um, people's compliments, people like everything that I relied on was external. Mm. Nothing was coming for myself. And I'd never even noticed it before, I'd never clocked it, anything. And I was in my kitchen and it honestly was like a flick of a switch. And I was like, shit. <laughs> whoa, I've never noticed that. And from that point, I literally found this therapist online. She was amazing. And she was very into somatic therapy. So when I would talk, she would ask where in the body I felt it and we'd try and heal it that way, which I really valued. And that I really feel like is the real big milestone that I made. Because from then I started talking about my inner child. And one of the things I always reference, because I think it's so important for people who are at the early stages, is I used to follow loads of coaches, I would listen to all these podcasts and people would always talk about like you need to look after your inner child, speak to your inner child and I used to think what the hell is that? Like how the hell do I connect to this? Like yeah I know she's there obviously because (laughs) it's me but I don't connect to her whatsoever and then all of a sudden it was like a few months into therapy and I kept pushing myself like I knew this was working for me and obviously it's challenging and it brings up so many different fears and stories that you told yourself over time that may be true, may not be true. And all of a sudden i would made a link to something that had happened when I was 11 and happened a year ago. And I started crying on the in the room with my therapist. And it was the first time in about two months, I think that I hadn't, that I'd cried. And she was like, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Oh my god, I I know what it is. I can feel her. I can actually feel her." And it was like something had opened. So all of a sudden, it's like something cracks, and it's like, "Whoa!" Mm. I actually understand everything now. And it was all of a sudden everything was seeping in so much more, and mm. I can connect to her. I can understand how she felt. And like when I'd get stressed out or I'd be worried about something or was anxious, I was like, "Oh, okay. It's not actually my adult self that's anxious because." adult me knows that I know I've got the tools I know I'm intelligent enough I know I'm confident to have these conversations but where is it coming from and actually from doing that work made me realize that it's the 11 year old you that's really nervous to go to this new school like when you've just left primary school and you're going to secondary school those like jittery nerves or mm. they gonna talk to me are they gonna like me or you know like when you fancy a boy for the first time oh my god do they fancy me back it's all of those things that is actually coming up, coming into play, and then all the things, all the traumas that you've gone through as a child are coming into adult life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And when we haven't healed them, that's where we see it. And it's funny. My dad always used to say, "There's no such thing as adults; just big kids."
0: Yeah.
2: And find, and it's so true because we are just all children in so many ways, and especially when we haven't done our inner work or we don't see there's anything wrong with it. A lot of the time we're just acting from that wounded child. So be that conflict, be that love, be that fear, whatever it is, it's coming from a younger version of you that's either lacking, desiring, or like desperate for something. Yeah.
0: And I love what you I love what you said about how a light switch went off. That gave me goosebumps because I feel like I really resonate with that, with the inner child work. Like as soon as it clicked. Like that's it, life is so different because you understand yourself yeah. on a level that you just didn't at all before and you see situations mm-hmm. so differently.
2: I yeah, really like that. <laughs> it's like you put on new glasses and I know we've yeah. said before previously, like it's all of a sudden you've got clear lenses on and you're like, wow, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like how I'd manipulate certain situations or how I would play up in certain situations or how mm. I would say certain key words just so I could get a reaction, whatever it is it's also identifying the shadow the shadow versions Mm. I think obviously naturally you want to focus on the good like oh wow like she's so I don't know bubbly (laughs) (laughs) you know she's so vibrant you know she's so proud and all these things but which is incredible to focus on but a lot of the time it's healing the shadow versions and noticing the shadow so that when something comes up you're like oh okay I'm doing it again noticing it what can I do to kind of not withdraw look in look inward how can Mm. I pause for a minute and one of the biggest things I think for me and I really want to share is how women treat their bodies and love their bodies Mm. and that's where I think my passion really for boundaries has come most in because we do see like when people say like you need to learn to love yourself and you know speak nicely to yourself which I do every day and I love that and it's so powerful but When we think of self-care and looking after ourselves, and actually coming back to who we are as individuals and finding our identity, boundaries has a huge part in that. And Mm -hmm. we often we always hear like, you know, this is healthy boundaries. We don't have boundaries. Like boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. We see it all the time in posts, on podcasts, in books. And one of the things that I used to think of was like, what the hell are boundaries? Like, what really are they? Like, yeah, walls? Are they defense mechanisms? And that way of protecting ourselves like what are they and i think that's when i kind of dove into that a bit more and i think that's now and i we we said about putting the glasses on you can't unsee things now you can't unlearn things once you learn about your inner child once you connect to your inner child you can't just unsee it yeah unsee it you can't just when you learn the power of boundaries you can't just not have boundaries like mm-hmm. all of a sudden you learn all these tools all these techniques all these powerful things that we can implement in our day to help ourselves, help ourselves grow, help others. The ripple effect is massive. Mm-hmm. So as we start to grow and learn about ourselves, it just ripples into everybody else. Like you well, see friends changing and family changing. Yeah,
0: I also just think boundaries are like a tool. Like I now, if I feel frustrated, I mm-hmm. know that actually there's something that I can do about it rather than just like running away with the frustration. Like if I feel like, one of my friends is, I, I can't provide the help that they want right now. Rather than like giving them the help being like, oh God, don't they realize I'm really busy? I will just be like, I love you, but I'm really sorry. I don't feel, feel great at the moment. And I can't give you the help that you need. Like someone else will be able to. i yeah. like actually taking, like boundaries is an actionable step in life. Like, oh, I feel really sluggish. Okay, well, do I need to implement a boundary with myself? where Mm -hmm. I'm feeding myself more nourishing food or making sure I'm getting enough sleep like I have such strong sleep boundaries because I'm a single mum and I know how important sleep is like now to the point where if I sit down at the end of the day and I start scrolling on my phone or I'm like got something on that I'm watching but I'm not really watching it my brain now will be like no no that you're this is wasting time and you're exhausted. Like think about how tired you feel. You feel really tired. Like you need to go to sleep. Mm. It's like like you said, no one talks much about kind of boundaries with yourself. No. We talk a lot about boundaries with other people, mm. um, but not so much with ourselves. So I'd love if you could talk a bit about
2: having like boundaries with yourself and how that's actually a form of self-love. Oh amazing. Absolutely. So I think that's incredible how you said that your brain now can reference that straight away. Like no, stop scrolling because I think scrolling is like the biggest thing that I think so many people fall into. Like so everyone easy. does it. It's <laughs> so easy. It's like the YouTube trap or the video trap, the rules trap, and all of a sudden you look up and think, oh my God, I've been doing this for an hour. What a waste of time. Like yeah. it's such an easy thing to do. Um but actually so the thing I wanted to talk to was kind of how to set them and where to start. Because I think when I think about my own journey with boundaries and where I was at, I had no idea where to start with them. And like you said, we're often just taught and told how to set them up other people, not Mm -hmm. to set them up yourself and how to even start thinking, oh, what's my boundary? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, I believe that your boundaries are kind of your form of your identity. So when you don't know what you like and what you don't like, what your boundary is, what your boundary isn't, we're kind of in like that gray area limbo stage of who we are what are we and I think when we're going through that growth and when we kind of get to that point of I don't know what to do with my life I don't know who I am especially after a breakup when we think of like you've lost your identity I mean I know definitely know I went through that mm-hmm. and I believe that like we go through our Saturn return when we're reaching like 27 28 and everything's really kind of starting to align when we come back to the planets of when we were born and I love the podcast a Return with Kagi Dunlop and she go, like digresses into all of that as well. And I believe now the people that I'm coming across with, especially in kind of our age bracket and who are in like early <clears> thirties, who are going through it. And when I did the workshop on boundaries, the question that I asked was like, what are they? What do people think they are? Like, how do you even... Begin to implement them. So, actually, when I think back to what I need, what I think I needed is I've created a five step process of identifying your boundaries. And the first step is what is your current self care? What's your current self care rituals? If it's daily, if it's weekly, what do you currently do for yourself that is beneficial for yourself? And the reason that I make this step one is because it's so easy to forget that what we do and what we don't do because the classic or like you get up your alarm goes off roll out go to the toilet brush your teeth make a cup of tea get ready go to work that's kind of the chunk of people's mornings you get on if you work in london getting the training to work listen to a podcast great that might be all that you're doing and then at night what do you do do you go out do you come home do you scroll that we've already said and then do you just you know watch tv until the minute you go to bed it's easy for us to to not even visualize what we're doing daily for ourselves so I think it's important that step one is to write down because there's so much power in writing when we actually see it at paper looking back at us so what do you do daily for yourself and it's a good eye opener because sometimes it can be nothing it can be something and like when I first started doing this I literally mine was like Right, eight hours sleep, because, again, I'm really passionate about sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my mom was like, oh, my God, what else do I do? What else do I do? Right, um, I drink I drink water every day. Right, great. Um, what else do Clean I do? my teeth. Clean my teeth. You literally, <laughs> yeah. I was like, do you know what I mean? Like, scraping the bottle of, like, yeah. the moisturizer like, right, there's something in there. That's, like, you cut, you cut the bottle open, and you're scraping it out. I feel like that's what I was doing with trying to find my self-care mm. rituals. I didn't have anything at the forefront of what I did because the reality was I wasn't doing anything. I didn't. And I think that's quite a good reality check at the beginning of the, the, prog- the process to identify that. And then step two is understanding your dislikes and your likes because quite often when we think of what we like, what we don't like, it's kind of up here, it's quite heady we're not really dropping into our body to kind of understand it's kind of like, well, when something actually happens, that's when we realize we don't like it. So if someone's rude to us, Oh, I don't like that. That's not very nice. Okay. And then if someone gives us a compliment, Oh, I like that. Or if we're eating really nourishing food, I like that. So I mean, it's things that in the moment we identify the likes and dislikes, but we're not actually taking time to really tune in and write things out and see it for ourselves so would you say that it would be good to journal about that and like maybe
0: focus on certain areas of your life like you could like you said you could focus on like food or people's mm -hmm. behavior and like actually look at specific sections of your life and work mm -hmm. out what you'd like and dislike
2: absolutely like absolutely because this is what I did for step two so step two is knowing your limits and naming your limits so the what I did on the workshop was broke it down into four sections so we have people relationships that's section one section two is consumption and that's I would say kind of like food and drinks and things like that then you have entertainment which for me is you know Instagram social media TV programs that we watch um, all those types of things and then you have self so what you like and you dislike So in those four categories, I would then do a line down the middle and you do a like and a dislike, but with each category. So when we think of people, what do you like about people? So I like generosity. I like deep conversations. I like people who are funny, people that are positive, people who listen to me. I like hugs. (laughs) And then in terms of dislikes, I don't like, Um, gossiping I don't like bitchy behavior I don't like rude people I don't like selfishness but then even with selfishness a caveat of that is obviously we need to be selfish for ourselves but it's when there's positive selfishness when someone who is selfish I feel someone who will kind of tread on you to get up and doesn't Mm. take consideration your emotions and your feelings and then negative someone who's an energy vampire we all have we've all experienced it (laughs) yeah there's an actual there's an energy flow between the two when someone's going through a bad a bad time they might need energy a bit more than you but funny enough my dad described it so well is if you imagine over your body you've got plug sockets all over some people plug into you and some people stay plugged into you without you realizing and then some people will take the plug out and they leave it's for our job and this is where boundaries comes in it's our responsibility to unplug people
0: mm.
2: and that could that, be
0: very hard like that
2: very difficult
1: boundaries. to do yeah especially if they've been plugged in for a long time <laughs> yeah,
2: and you don't even realize it and sometimes mm. it's sneaky plugs in you don't realize it it's that sneaky person that comes in through the grapevine and then all of a sudden they've plugged into you and you've not realized mm. and for me I've had it where it's been months down the line or even years down the line and I think oh my god they've literally been plugged into me for years mm. and you haven't realized it's relationships I've had it in relationships and it's not until you leave that relationship and all of a sudden you've got all this energy yeah like, oh my I goodness, goodness. They yeah, really that was awesome. doing. yeah I
0: definitely think as well like one of the things I started to notice about myself is that I get a lot of my self-worth from like helping people mm-hmm. and so now when I help people I'm trying to stop and work out whether I'm doing it because it's going to make me feel good or like help my self worth or whether I actually have the energy to help the person who needs my help
2: that's amazing that's such a good and that's the thing that's such a personal self boundary
0: yeah I mean I'm not great at it I mean I hold my hand I'm still not great we're all learning that's the whole point it's all on this journey we're all learning
1: and I
2: think I don't think it matters even if you've been doing it 20 years. I don't, we all have days when we think, God, I should have done something different or not even, again, it's about being kind to yourself, but I think the main do you know what when I think of where I'm at in terms of my journey and I look at others, we can get so caught up in looking in the future, look at the distance. We look at those people that have got a hundred thousand followers, 200,000 followers who've in this industry, who've been doing this work for years it's so easy for us to then look internally and be like oh I'm right at the beginning you know I'm still learning I'm still trying out but we're kind of at a stage where all we've got to do is be all we've got to be is one step two steps in front of somebody else be able to help that person and that goes for anything if someone's just bought a house and you haven't bought a house yet right that person's already done all the work to get a mortgage right ask them for advice they'll know what to do. Or if someone's setting boundaries and you have no boundaries, right? How does she set her boundaries? Let me ask her. And I think that's what makes it so relatable because when you're at the early stages, it's relatable. Everybody can resonate. We can all resonate with you know, starting out and something not working out. And it's the fear of moving the failure from it. Like it's more scary to not try than it is to try and fail in my opinion. And I think that's again, a mindset switch, but it is difficult. Um, well, but also, this, uh, also uh, like even yeah.
0: the people with two hundred thousand followers, like they're still going to have times where they struggle with and boundaries. They, like we're they, all just humans at the end of the day, and we all make mistakes. Or
1: and they would have been at the beginning of their journey before. Like they didn't start off with two hundred thousand followers. Like mm. they started off with zero, just the same as everyone else. And everyone's timelines of things can be different, but yeah. everyone's been there, and everyone's put themselves. You have to put yourself out there and take risks and. Absolutely, Potentially be judged and fail, like you said. But it's like, would you rather stay in this safe box where you know, like, I don't
0: feel one hundred percent great, or you're not like very happy in your box, but mm-hmm. it's safe?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or do you want to go outside of it, where yeah, you might have some people say mean things, but you're actually feeling fulfilled and following your life's purpose and things like that? It's
2: definitely worth it but it's difficult to break free yeah <laughs> it's so difficult and I think that's what we don't talk about enough we can talk about the successes and you know it was really hard at the beginning or um you know I failed, I launched this thing and it didn't work out we can all hear these things and some can resonate some can't but actually being honest and saying it's really fucking hard to set boundaries when you've not had them it oh, is 100%. So difficult. And I think that's why, in doing the five steps, is to try and the difficultness is always going to be a thing. It's there, it is difficult, but to try and digress it in a way that's digestible. So it doesn't seem so daunting and fearful. Because when we think of boundaries, I think it's like, right, no, don't talk to me. Or, um, it's, <laughs> it's and I think it's a fine line of having a boundary and having a defensive wall. Hmm. And I think that's where doing these steps helps you identify. Actually, it's not coming from a place of I'm putting a wall up because I don't like this conversation because I feel like you're judging me or I feel like you're. picking at me or you're finding fault with me it's not a case of having a wall up in that area because i think the wall comes from fear the boundaries aren't coming from a place of fear and i think that's from love (laughs) yeah boundaries are coming are coming from a place of love for yourself and a love for others walls are coming from a place of fear fear for yourself and a fear from others i think that's really important to remember so when we think of breaking it down into those four sections The reason that I do it is to make it relatable and digestible at any level. So when we think of consumption, we think of like, what do I like? And this is what I laughed about. And I think it's this is kind of one of the things I realized in terms of boundaries was where I was forcing myself to do something that I didn't want to do. And that's a classic term of what boundaries really is. Like I like having a few glasses of wine. That's kind of my limit. That's what I like. I don't like doing shots. If I'm on a night out and everyone doesn't gets a tray of shots, I used to feel so uncom- like uncomfortable. I'd be like, oh, have a shot, have a shot. Oh no, I'm fine, thanks. Oh, don't be boring, have a shot. No, I'm all right, thank you. No, oh, go on, I bought you one. It's that, it's that constant when then I'd be like, oh, sorry, I'll just have the shot. I then don't feel good. I then am more drunk than I want to be because for some reason shots just hit me in a whole other level. <laughs> which I do not like and then I don't feel good so why am I doing it I'm doing it to please somebody else I'm not yeah and then then you feel
0: resentful towards that person as well yeah
2: absolutely and this is where I want to make it relatable because it took me so long to say no and feel comfortable with saying no because at the end of the day boundaries is literally learning how to say no to things you don't want to do and yeah, that sounds so easy to do, oh but gosh, it's not. Is it isn't. <laughs> Especially when it's someone that you love and you like, mm-hmm. it's family, if it's friends, it's hard because I think we are taught, again, like you said at the beginning, the good girl mentality or the good boy mentality or be a good little boy or like be a good little girl. Just say yes, you know, just just go with the flow. Don't cause dramas. You know, it's that classic thing that we're exposed to. That comes into adulthood, and we don't know how to communicate. We simply don't. We don't know how to say, "Oh, okay, thank you. I don't like shots. I'm going to sleep with my glass of wine, but thanks for offering." That sounds so easy to say, and now I can easily say it. But God, three years ago, I've been like, "Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God!" I would get stressed. I'd get like a lump in my throat. Mm. Oh my God, what if they don't like me because I've just said no, and they've bought me, they've bought me a shot, and that's going to cost them six quid? Or All these thoughts would go from my head. But then you come back to, well, did they ask me? Did they ask if I wanted a shot? Mm -hmm. Probably not, because in their head, they're just being generous and they've gone and bought a round of shots, everyone. There's not really malice in it. Mm -hmm. But we just don't know how to communicate.
0: Yeah. Well, also, but you can also, like, when you have that level of awareness, when you set the boundary, you can say that, like, I know you were trying to be generous and I really appreciate it. And I know you were thinking Mm -hmm. of me and I love you so much but actually that it's just not good for me. Like I can't, when I consume a shot, it makes me feel sick or whatever. You, you can always like communicate a boundary in such a loving way. And I think that's one of the things, like misconceptions as well. I think people have is that mm-hmm. boundaries are like, stop, no, don't you, you don't get, do that. Don't yeah. Whereas it can easily be like, I love you so much. I really appreciate this about you. I really want to be able to support you yeah. but right now. And then whatever the
2: boundary is. Mm-hmm. Yeah absolutely we see it as like a big red tape mm. and I think that's what makes it so fearful for others because you think oh, all right I'll just go with the flow then I don't want to come across rude or aggressive I don't want to I don't want to be unliked and I think that's where it will come back to that and then and the, I,
0: and the only yeah. people actually that like are ever going to be upset with you setting a boundary are people who don't love like don't love you and don't support you the people who are like profiting off of the fact that yeah. you don't have that boundary
2: people who benefit from you having no boundary oh. are the most like people to be annoyed at you having the boundary mm-hmm. because it no longer mm-hmm. serves them mm-hmm. yeah because they're like hold on I'm not getting what I want out this <laughs> absolutely <really. laughs> and that's like when you understand your likes and your dislikes and you break it down into the most simplest things you then can be like oh actually I didn't realize I didn't like that even things like when you think of entertainment this is, people that know me will know, <laughs> I do not watch scary films, Same. absolutely not. <laughs> Can't hack them, never been able to hack them. I like Cozy Nights In, I like watching nice films, uplifting films, or real like documentaries, I love things like that, but i never, I would never put myself in a position where, I don't know, when I'm on my own and I'm gonna watch a scary film, that just triggers so much anxiety, so much fear, and that does not make me feel good. For others, they don't feel that like It's fine. They feel exciting. It's exciting for them. And that's the difference. Remembering that everybody's boundaries are going to look different. But remembering that your boundary can be small and your boundaries can be big. So when we think of self-boundaries, my self-boundaries would be things like saying no to shots or not watching scary films. <laughs> it can be small things and how to start out. When we think of self, like what do you like about What do you like for yourself? What do you like doing for yourself? I like massages. I like meditating. I like baths. I like alone time. I like um, journaling. I like therapy, talking to people. I like these things. What don't I like? I don't like being on my phone too much. I don't like exercising that doesn't feel good for me. Mm -hmm. Force, not force. I think that's the wrong word. We're exposed to all these different types of exercise and like, go to the gym, you'll feel great. You're like, if you're feeling low, go and move your body. Like, that's what you have to do. You have to exercise, get to the gym. And yeah, there's truth in that, of course. But move your body how it feels right for you. Because I got caught up in signing up for the gym, forcing myself to do like these hit workout classes and these running classes. <sighs>
0: And oh, that is gosh. so not me. And I
2: wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't even feel good when I left. I'd be like hating it the whole way through. And I'd literally be like talking to myself, "This is shit. This is shit. This is shit." This is shit. <laughs> yeah. You've so always got funny. an instructor as
0: well, being like, yeah, "Go, go!" I know. And you're I, always like, oh, God.
1: Especially when they're like, "Burn the calories that yeah. you've eaten at the weekend, mm. or whatever." That for me, I'm always like, mm. it's so frustrating because it's like they assume that that's the reason that you're there, yeah. like
0: the to punish
1: yourself, when actually. I'm there to feel good in my body and there to move and like, yeah, maybe release some sort of like stress or anxiety, but I'm definitely not here to earn my cup of coffee afterwards. Yeah, like I can laughing. have that anyway.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the thing like it's come, it's tuning and coming back to yourself of what you like and what you don't like. I've got friends that absolutely love hit classes. Mm. That's what like lights them up. They love that. But for me, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Absolutely not. I feel like <laughs> that's just not my thing, but I was constantly forcing myself. And like when we say about, you know, the sneaky energy drainers that we don't realize, you can also be your own energy drainer. Mm-hmm. You can also be doing things that don't boost you. And they're the sneaky things. And that was only until like last year I noticed it. And I thought, why am I doing this? It's not what I want to yeah. do. I want to move my body. I love moving my body. And I love going I love spin. I love spin. Mm-hmm. And JJ! <laughs> and I love, I've recently come back to yoga. And when I come back, I literally walked out of yoga. It was last Wednesday. And I text my friends, text my boyfriend, text my um coaching friends, and I was like, oh my God, I feel incredible. I feel so confident. I felt amazing. And then I did pilates on Friday and I felt the same. I felt in tune with my body. It's what my body wanted. My body doesn't want to get up at 6 a.m. and do a full HIT class, lifting weights, running on a running machine. That's not what I want to do. My body wants to get up. Maybe even six o'clock might be fine, but doing a spin class is good for my body. Do you think that feels nice for me and nourishing for myself is what is good for you? And that's where you can start setting your self boundaries. And it's remembering, just start small if you feel uncomfortable with it. Don't go in big if you feel uncomfortable and you don't feel comfortable communicating. But this is where we go on to step three. And I think this is kind of the tool that I would use and help people say the best way to communicate is outline the the consequences of the emotion from your boundary. So when we think of no phone, so you have your phone too much. What's the consequence of being on your phone too much? Right, write that out. What's the consequence of doing shots? Write it out. And then it's, what's the consequence of watching murder documentaries or scary films? What's the consequence of that? And then equally the consequences of the good things. What's the consequence of moving your body that's aligned to you? What's the consequence of meditating every day? Write them out and come clear, become clear with those. And I think when we fear the communication side of things, that's where we can say, oh, no, I'm okay, thank you. I don't want to do those shots, right? what's your why communicate your why you don't necessarily have to say i'm not doing shots because that's my boundary say oh i'm not doing shots because they don't make me feel good they don't agree with me fine that's your why that's all you've got to say Mm -hmm. why do you move your body that's aligned to you because it makes me feel good it makes me tune back into my body it makes me tune back into my feminine flow that's for me is what feels good for me and it releases endorphins it makes me feel good it starts my day off right coming back to your why and I think that's for me is the simplest of it all we don't have to be so heady and think the big communication conversations that we need to be having yeah that might come in time but start small and what start small with um the ones for yourself yeah what can you implement straight away right don't be on your phone past eight o'clock at night or don't how often and how often do we hear people roll over, grab their phone and start scrolling? Mm. That's something you can implement yeah. change instantly. You can, even on your on your iPhone, you can do like app shutdowns and app like reload. So you're, my apps don't reload until half seven in the morning. So if I want to look at something, I actually have to go on, click on the app and then have to click another button to say open. And how long do I want to open it for? Do I want to open it for a minute? Or 15 minutes off the rest of the day they're the options so by the time you've rolled over grabbed your phone you've already got three <laughs> it's like three messages to be like is this really what you want to do yeah okay. do awesome. you want to bro-
1: drop your boundary it's really? like holding yeah. you accountable it's like are you yeah. sure are you really
2: sure sure like you log on it's already blanked you click it right how long do you want to do it for then you have to select how long you want to be on that app for Those are simple things that are already accessible to us immediately.
0: Yeah, I actually really love this because I feel like when you know the consequences of it and you have that level of clarity, it then becomes like a no brainer
1: Mm -hmm.
0: to not do or to stick to your boundary or not do something that you don't want to do. It then feels so much easier to do that because you're like, well, obviously I'm not going to because that's going to make me feel really sad or that's going to cause anxiety. And then you're like, well, why would I want to be anxious?
1: yeah yeah I would say you feel better in yourself like in terms of earlier when we're talking about your inner child like if you know your boundary you know the consequence of it and you can connect with that it's like well why would I do that because then I'm I'm gonna make all of us yeah Yeah. I'm gonna make all of us feel shit I'm gonna make my inner child feel rubbish because she's not gonna feel heard and listened to Uh,
0: I'm definitely doing this this evening by the way (laughs) like I had like a bit of a like you know when you just hit a bit of a breaking point emotionally this week got into proper victim mindset and I woke up the next day and I was like oh I'm not looking after myself well enough Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: so I'm definitely going to go and do this this evening and like write down exactly what I want my week to look like and what boundaries I need to put back in for myself so that I'm not as emotionally upset as I was this week
2: yeah because that's the thing it's not like I said about your walls and they're not walls of defense they are it is a form of protecting yourself but it's a form it's a loving protection. Mm. I think that's what we need to remember we'll come back to. So like when you've outlined your consequences, and then we're going to step four, and to step four is then defining the boundary. So we've looked at your list of self-care at the beginning. We've looked at your likes and dislikes. We've picked out the main points of them, and we've written out the consequences. Now, what is your boundary? So your consequence of being on your phone, and that's something that you don't like. Your boundary then would be... I don't go on my phone before 7.30 in the morning. That's your boundary. You then got your consequence that follows, but actually outlining the boundary makes it clear for you. You can visually see it on paper or on your phone, on your notes, on your laptop, wherever you want to do it, but actually outlining it and bringing it all together. That's where you can see your boundaries and become clear on what your boundaries are. And then we go on to step five is openly communicating. And this is, I think, is the hardest point. Mm. Step one, step two, step three, step four. These are things that you're in control of. And again, you are in control of the communication side of things. But the one to four steps is you writing, you tuning in, you deepening, your knowing about yourself, coming back to what you like and what you don't like, what means, what matters to you, what doesn't matter to you. But ultimately, boundaries is learning to say no to things you don't want to do. And that is really difficult. So when we think of you have to tell people this is what I actually say in terms of communicating, it is saying no and being comfortable feeling that, being comfortable with having to say no and even leading with what you like. So when your friend says, oh, do you want to go clubbing tonight? And you say, oh, that might be, that's not for me. Why is that not for you? Because the chances are it probably leads you to doing shots or being in an uncomfortable situation and you can eliminate the whole thing because it's not what you want to do but doesn't mean you're not going to be friends with that person doesn't mean you don't have to it has to be delivered in a conflicting way you can say something like oh thanks so much for asking me that's something that I don't want to do but would you like to do x give an alternative and this is actually something that came up with one of my clients was we often get in a a way of maybe we have just outgrown each other or maybe we you know we're just not into the same things anymore and that might be the case but sometimes friends aren't mirrors of each other all the time and you like exactly the same things you can also have your own identities but there's a few things that you have in common that you actually come back to and what you really enjoy you might really like going for a dog walk getting a coffee going for brunch together but the other person absolutely loves going to like house raves and then the mm-hmm. other one likes going, <laughs> having like yeah. a kind of little white like wine night in them that might be something that those might be the differences, but you also have similarities. So lead with what you like. Lead with your consequent lead with your why. I think that can kind of eliminate the fear or try to eliminate the fear. We don't have to go in like we said with the big red tape and be like, no, Mm -hmm. this is my boundary. You're crossing my boundary. We don't have to communicate it in such a way. We can just openly communicate it from a place of love and as soon as we do it it comes from the heart it comes from a different place the energy that you're sharing it from is so different Mm. coming from like thanks so much for asking but you know i'm not up for that tonight i'm gonna chill in do you fancy going for a walk tomorrow afternoon though Yeah. yeah it can be something so simple or even communicating with your friends like one of the things i for me was gossiping and bitchiness like i'm fortunate my friend's that I'm not in a friendship group that is like it but we're all exposed to it we all grow up in it school is like I I think we can all agree we've all done it and been those people and when I look back at school school is like a dog-eat-dog environment like it is Mm -hmm. it's brutal yeah it is it's like Hunger Games I feel like yeah (laughs) without the murder (laughs) like like school is so difficult it really is like make or break you and I don't it's it's not communicated obviously like that but it really is when you're in it and it is so normal to bitch and to gossip and we see it in tv we see it in magazines like i used to buy a look a more magazine every week and i mean all it was was literally women just being literally shredded ripped apart for having cellulite and god knows what else which is absolutely normal that we all have but it was so normal to buy magazines to read it like mm-hmm. when we look at all the films that we watched, like Mean Girls. Mean Girls come out when I was just going into secondary school and no, none of the guys in that film are portrayed of gossiping and bitchiness. It's all on women, female. This is what it's like. When we think of Devil Wears Prada, the woman at the top, it's all bitchy. Fashion mm-hmm. is bitchy. We see it and that's all we hear. It's what we're exposed to. But we have a choice. We either partake in it or we don't partake in it. It can be as simple as that. And I know there's a big gray area with it, but that's something that it goes back into like healing the sisterhood wound and mm-hmm. you know building the trust with your fellow females and like sisters and actually all coming together. Because in theory, it's a huge thing. It's a huge negative thing that impacts all of us. Even hearing somebody say, oh, look at her, look at her hair, look at her jumper, look at what she's wearing. Even hearing somebody else say it, you instantly feel, oh, that's not very nice. Mm. So you internalize it. Your opinion is then jarred because you've heard that. You then walk away and you then have that embedded fear that that's what they think of you. Mm. It's a natural cycle that keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And it's up to you to stop it. It's up to you to stop it yourself. You can't say to somebody else right away, can you not gossip about that person if you're still doing it? yeah practice what you preach and I think that comes down to like a self-boundary I have it as a self-boundary of myself like I don't do that I don't partake in that and then I also have it listed under my people and relationships section I don't want to be around it and it's also showing you're you're making the change of the world you want to see and the world you want to live in I don't want to live in a world that's filled with women gossiping and bitching about each other. And the chances are most women don't want that either, but we're exposed to it. We think it's normal, but it's part of like changing that. And we can all change with ourselves. Like we hear it all the time with climate change. Like you can be the change. Like just start small, you know, everything counts. And the same thing goes to these types of things, boundaries. Start small, everything counts. It's the same concept. And when everybody starts naturally implementing boundaries, whether it's a small one or it's a big one, the changes will be massive in time. And mm-hmm. it's remembering, which is one of the big things I said in my workshop is when you start implementing boundaries and saying no to others, you've also got to be receptive to having people say no yeah. to you. <laughs> we, can so inst- we can instantly forget that and think, right, well, I've got all these boundaries you know, I'm really in a space of oneness and, you know, I can communicate my desires and all these things, but we've also got to be aware and open to the fact that others are going to say no to you. Others yeah, And might actually say, being okay with it, which is, it's very hard. That's hard. When someone it is says, so hard. Say, Would you like to do this? And they say, no, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> You've then <they've laughs> got to sit with that.
0: It works or, like yeah. well. or someone being like I don't have time for you right now if you're really upset you're initially yeah. like how dare they I'm so upset and you just have to teach yourself to be like actually it's okay that they can't handle it right now and mm-hmm. I can go to someone else and like I'm okay and I will be okay I don't need the other person to make me feel better it Absolutely. is really hard initially yeah. I also was Mm -hmm. going to say as well in terms of like setting boundaries at first you don't always have to like launch in with a face-to-face conversation with someone Mm
2: -hmm. like if you
0: really think you're going to struggle with it and you'll you know you feel brave enough now to implement a boundary with someone else you can literally start with like a text if you feel too scared Mm -hmm. start with a text message that you've really thought about
1: yeah, it's or a lot easier to notes. send a text to you can like, send yeah. it and then hide your phone away. Yeah, like, I'm just
0: not gonna think about it for a bit. <laughs> you don't have to initially like straight away walk up to someone's face and be like, This is my boundary now. Like you can, yeah. you can ease yourself into it as well.
2: Absolutely. Because mm. that's the thing. When I when we go to the beginning, when we talk at the beginning, and I said, like for me, your boundaries is part of your identity and part of your identity is confidence and it is your self-worth. And that's where your boundaries can really support that. And when I'm obviously being a self-love coach and teaching it and helping others about it is boundaries is such a huge part of self-love and we don't necessarily, or we may not value it to be so important when it comes to self-love. But like you said, starting small with just a message and then maybe offering an alternative. Starting small will gradually build your confidence and the chances are, you're probably not going to be hit with as much resistance as you think you're going to be hit with. And as we start implementing boundaries, you're showing yourself, you're, you're reprogramming your the respect you have for yourself. You're coming back to yourself. You're being authentic. You're speaking your truth. You're finding your identity again. And in that, you're giving everybody else an invisible permission slip to do the same because if you see a friend that says um like you said for instance you asking for help and they say hey I'm really sorry to hear that you're going through that right now I haven't got the capacity or haven't got the energy to help you can I call you tomorrow in that yeah it might hurt because you're in the depths of needing support but at the same time you're also thinking wow she was able to communicate that she's able to communicate her desires Mm -hmm. and that's what we said at the beginning it's It's these powerful divine women that are stepping into their truth, their power that is breaking and removing the shackles from what the patriarchy is giving us. That's helping other women and even other men to implement it. When we think of implementing boundaries in relationships, if we've been in relationships for years and we haven't had any boundaries, how do we then implement them to the partner that we're still with? And I had this on my workshop. A woman had asked which was such an interesting question. And because it's so important for everybody who's listening, who is in relationships, who doesn't have boundaries. Boundaries isn't always with friends or family, like it's also in partnerships. And me and my partner had to go through it of setting each other's boundaries. Because when we first met, we'd been together for a couple of months, then lockdown happened and we chose to do it together, which was 50-50. And <laughs> fortunately it went in the direction that we both hoped. But in that, it meant that it elevated everything. And we'd kind of missed the step of communicating boundaries because we just went straight into living together. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it was all this conflict of like, I need space or I need this. And we hadn't had the tools or the training or even the exposure to say, right, why don't you both just look at your boundaries? What's working for you? What's not working for you? What's your likes? What's your dislikes? How can you communicate the consequences to each other? And how can you all do it from a place of love? So when you're communicating boundaries with a current partner communicate the consequence like for instance mine would be I don't like to be late for a train or late for a plane. I'd like to be a bit early I don't expect to be at the airport three hours ahead or the train session three hours ahead but I'd like to be there at least 30 minutes mm. and my partner couldn't understand at the beginning he's like we've got loads of time and I was like right oh my god we're gonna be late and I could feel it I could feel the angst I could feel the it's like the it's in your it's in your chest it's in your heart like oh my god this feels uncomfortable I'm gonna have to communicate right take a breath what's the consequence lead with that my consequence was right hey look I'd like to be at the train station 30 minutes before the train leaves because if I don't I know I'm gonna feel uncomfortable I'm gonna feel stressy I'm going to feel stress in that environment and I'm going to work myself up and I know the ripple effect is I'll probably snap.
0: Mm.
2: And I don't want that for me and I don't want that for us and I don't then want to be on a four-hour train back to London. an argument.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or potentially (laughs) not on the train.
2: Or potentially not on the train. (laughs) Leading to the consequence of, look, it would really help me and it would really serve me if we could just be there 30 minutes before So I can arrive in a calm, you know, being calm, being peaceful, not like flush breath, running around, running to get your food, springing to the train, like all of that, all the adrenaline that's running through your body. And then you then snap at something small where it can all be eliminated. If you communicate your desire, communicate the consequence and the chances are their response is probably going to be, okay, I support you.
0: Well, I think you've literally hit the nail on the head as to why boundaries are actually the most loving thing you can do for other people, because in that moment, you're not even just thinking of yourself, Mm
1: -hmm. you're thinking
0: of the impact on other people. And Mm -hmm. actually, you're keeping everyone happy and safe and positive and creating a nice environment for everyone. Yeah, it benefits everyone.
1: Like boundaries also, when you start speaking up about your boundaries, it helps other people to do the same. So then you're actually communicating honestly and you know that that person really wants to be there when they come to see you or like yeah. when they're supporting you that they want to do that. It's not that they're sitting there going, oh God, like I really don't want to do this. Don't so have time for this right now. Yeah. So Absolutely. it is it is a loving thing to do. It just sometimes in the midst of
2: it doesn't feel like that yeah. when you're like, this ah! <laughs> feels scary. Yes. We've not done it before and we're not taught it. Like wouldn't I don't, we're not taught boundaries at all and I mean unless your parents have got it but when I look at mine like my parents probably weren't taught boundaries until they got older but you're not brought up knowing it and the difference with boundaries as well like like you said the ripple effect just comes out you see other people benefiting from the fact that you've got boundaries you see yourself benefiting Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned at the beginning the perfect way to identify when a boundary needs to be set is when you're feeling resentful when you're starting to feel resentful take a Take a minute, take a breather, take a day. You don't have to reply. Like when you said at the beginning, what advice would I give to someone? One would be go away, think about it, then come back. You don't have to reply immediately. I used to be in that head all the time. Right, someone's messaged me. Right, I'll reply instantly. Or they've seen it online. If I haven't replied, they're going to think X, Y, and Z. Again, it's the external validation. It's the external. But take a breather go for a walk, meditate, move your body, just sit down, journal, whatever it is that feels good for you, implement it and then reconsider it because we can get so caught up with thinking or, or even believing that you need to be doing something. I need to do this for them. I If I don't pick up the phone, I'm not a good friend. If I don't you know, go to this party... They're going to think badly of me. It's not about that. And at the end of the day, it's being true to you, which helps you come back to your identity, which I think so many of us go through, especially when we're going through like the phases of late 20s and we're going through that whole seeing friends get married, seeing friends have babies, you know, or relationships breaking up. We all go through big milestones of my God, what do I want? Who am I? Mm. I know I did, and I know my friends have had it. And I know when I speak to my clients and other coaches, they go through it. It's such a normal thing to go through, but having the tools and the steps to identify your boundaries is a such a good way. It's such a good starting point, really,
0: for knowing having... who you are. I didn't yeah, even think of it like that for literally knowing who you are mm. and what you want from life and what your expectations are.
2: Absolutely, I like... like breaking it down into like. Listening or self care, understanding your likes and dislikes, outlining consequences, defining and actually identifying your boundary, and then communicating those five steps mm. literally will only take you a couple of hours. If that, yeah. And having it all out, like for me, I've got like a big sheet, and I like do it, digress it all, and everything. I like like highlighters, coloring. I like keys. I like all that kind of thing, and making it fun, putting music on, like putting candles on making it enjoyable Mm. even coming back to it because sometimes in the moment we'll write things like I don't like this I like this I don't like this but actually going away for a couple of days like living your normal life you might think "Oh, actually I, I forgot that I don't like that right put that on and boundaries are they flow and I think when you've got healthy boundaries you can you can work with them and you can what's the word I'm using, want to find is you can adjust the healthy boundary. So if your boundary is, for instance, I'm not on my phone past eight o'clock every day, that's your boundary. But then you sign up for this course that you know is going to be really good for you. And it starts at eight o'clock, right? Okay. Is your boundary going to stop you from doing this course because it's crossed past that pinpoint time of eight o'clock? or are you comfortable enough to rel- relieve that boundary for that moment mm. and then learn- and learn that so yeah, this is have-
0: making lots of conscious decisions isn't it rather than just like letting life happen to you it's a form of yeah. taking back control I feel like we've done an hour I could talk about this literally like
2: endlessly. <laughs> yeah I mean I could sleep maybe
0: mind. we should have you back on and we can like yeah we <laughs> delve more mistakes, into boundaries yeah. and get some feedback on the episode and see like what people want to hear absolutely but
2: which is the so five good. steps are
0: honestly amazing like I'm definitely going to go home and do them because I feel like I need them at the moment to be honest <laughs>
2: yeah and that's the thing like I've got my workshop you can literally pay for my replay on Instagram and I want to actually break down I've broken down everything on there and even questions that have come up with other women which has been really powerful because there's mm-hmm. questions that or instances that I've not gone through and they've asked me a question I thought that's really good to know mm-hmm. and even having it accessible for everybody because I think that's the thing when you're starting out and when you are really new to doing this growth work or doing like you said the self-development we hear about it all the time but how on earth do you start how do you work out what you like and what you don't like how mm-hmm. do you implement it yeah, do you want to do
0: you want to tell everyone like where they can find you yeah, and, yeah like what you yeah. have to offer and everything yeah. we can oh, we can okay. put it in the show notes
2: about
1: yeah. like you say it as well yeah, like- yeah
2: amazing <laughs> i'll send you actually the list of the um boundaries like the steps so you can put it in the show notes for people to use but actually one thing to follow off that was once you've done all the steps this is when i would say go back to step one and look at your rituals because you've already outlined your likes so pull out some likes and what you can introduce to your daily rituals, your daily self-care. That's a good way to kind of then think, oh, I like that. How can I em- embody more of that each day? It's these kinds of things that will then boost your list. And now my list is like the long of my arm, whereas beginning. Like I said, it <laughs> it's like, a whole essay. Yeah, whole essay. And where at the beginning it was drinking water and sleeping eight hours. <laughs> um, But yeah, thank you so much in terms of where you can find me. So on Instagram, it's Jessica Hayes underscore self love. And that's probably the best place for you guys to find me. I take um, clients on there. I even do free connect calls. So If you feel comfortable and you feel connected to work with me, then definitely get in touch, DM me and we can work together. And I now have taking on one-to-one clients which is amazing so it's a three month program where you'll work with me and we'll kind of go through where you're at how you're feeling the steps we'll understand the steps of how we can get to where you want to be and together by the end of the three months I know you'll feel more empowered you'll know your identity and you'll be ready to take on the world Yeah, well, I feel more empowered just from this call. So, (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. Thank you
0: so much for coming on. It's been such a lovely chat. I've really enjoyed it. It was just what I needed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.